Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. We often tend to think of religious liberty issues as they relate to America's heartland, those areas that are home to hard-working, land-loving, God-fearing people who can actually see the stars at night and where neighbors are people you wave at and not call police on. But according to Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, religious liberty issues live and thrive in our noisy, traffic-clogged cities as well. He is here to talk about finding freedom among the mean streets. Lincoln, the time is yours. Yeah, where do I start? <laughs> but uh, I think Manhattan, New York City might be about as good okay. a place as any. Sounds good. And, uh, I just spent nearly a week there with uh, a number of our religious liberty directors from all over the U.S. We had some advisory meetings and then made good use of the time on the weekend fanning out to take a, a whole slew of individual church lectures and sermons on religious liberty. But, you know, I was there in the, the heart of Manhattan for several days walking around sleeping, although the city doesn't sleep. <laughs> That's right. And, and I got a sense of really religion and perhaps the lack of religion in a place like that. Well, I've got to be fair to New York. I found it less meaner than usual. Good. It was nice walking around uh, near Times Square and that, and, and the weather was good, and people seemed calm enough and relaxed. Even Central Park was quite bucolic with... Uh, <laughs> the carriages and the tourists. But let me tell you, my first introduction to New York, I left my car at Newark Airport and took a shuttle bus across, and it dumped me just near the city library at a little park there. And I got off with a bag in each hand and literally just stepped down from the stairs, and, and I was approached by probably a 30-some-year-old gentleman, and he appeared to be Eastern European extract, dressed quite well. I didn't really notice him at first, but he just walked straight up to me and and maybe two foot away from my face, started to notice him because his eyes were uh, full of fear, Mm. not anger. And I'm not sure he really saw me, but he was coming straight at me. And and he opened his mouth and let out the most heart-rending, incredibly loud scream of of horror and despair. My goodness. (laughs) It was just like a cry from the heart of despair of somebody that was lost in the city. And then he wandered off. Now, you know, there's crazy people in all cities, and usually they're a little disheveled and so on. I don't know this man's story, but to me it was emblematic of the very strong likelihood of people all around, and yet there are many people from all around the world in New York City that come from everywhere, and they're adrift, they're lost, lost in the crowd. And uh, I, uh, when you think about religion, of course, that's a big part of people's personal moorings, So to be in a city where there's not much overt religion, you know, I went past the Presbyterian Church there on Fifth Avenue. There was nobody in there. Beautiful church. So I don't think religion figures very high in the city. And here was a man despairing. So that was my introduction. I took a closer look at what's going on with religion in the city. Another day I went with one of the co-attendees of the conference, at his suggestion, actually, to the uh, Museum of Modern Art. And uh, that was an eye-opener. <laughs> I love art, not necessarily modern art, but uh, I was looking forward to what we'd see. And uh, early on, we went into a quite large room that was dark. 
And as we went in, there were no chairs or anything and a lot of electronic gizmos, I think, out of the ceiling. But on all four walls, they were projecting a moving image, very slow motion. And it was simple. There were two naked men and two naked women very slowly walking around the room. <laughs> okay. And I don't really know what it meant. <laughs> well. But again, figuratively, I think that's what the city is. You're naked. Yes. You've lost your religion, many people, lost your moorings, lost your sense of self, not a great sense of community. And I'm sure I'll get calls from New Yorkers because many people are well-connected. But it's much harder to maintain... Uh, community when people are commuting and rushing and competing and everything's on steroids in a big city like New York. And I thought, wow, this is modern art. This is meaningful. And then in the next room, it was like a theater and there were many people sitting down in the chairs watching what amounted to a video presentation. And uh, on the screen was a witch an outrageously garbed witch with lots of tattoos and all the Kabbalistic signs and so on. And uh, she and the voiceover was saying that witchcraft had been persecuted in the past by Christianity, but now it was finding its way and people were understanding the, the, uh, the value of witchcraft and Satanism. And, you know, there were all sorts of symbols of paganism, child sacrifice, you name it. Oh, my. Oh, my. And I'm thinking this passes for us. This is really where we're coming from. Where does religion fit into this? Yeah. Well, let me ask you that question. How on earth, you as a pastor and a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and an editor of a Religious Liberty magazine, how on earth do you approach that type of isolation, that type of wandering, that type of misinformation that you found there in Manhattan? Well, that's what I think is the deeper problem. On this program, we're often talking about the very real lack of understanding of what religious liberty is, the poor definitions. People don't know the Constitution as well as they should. Many of our fellow religionists, so-called religious right, they've opted for a wrong model of church-state, I think, even though they see the morality quite clearly. But I think the deeper problem is the disconnect of many people in large cities, and New York is the uh, case study, the disconnect from the entire subject. Mm. I'm not sure that religion computes. And if it is, it's something historic, not personal, not part of their lifestyle. And here, I mean, I I better not write it too large, but I don't think they're off the mark, that the allure of witchcraft and and paganism and nihilism and all the rest is pretty strong when you've you've got not much attraction to uh, a personal faith or traditional religion. You know, when you say that religion does not compute, I put the blame for that not on God, not on the Bible, not on religion, but on those representing religion to the world. Am I on the right track here? Well, yes, but it may not even be so personal. People in a city environment, which is a physical structure of, you know, multi-layered work environment, and too expensive for many people to live there, so they're coming and going, occupied about getting there, getting back, than a very Darwinian (laughs) work process. Yes. Where do they have time to think about God? Where does God fit into this? Where does religious liberty fit in? Why would it even compute? And it's a problem, and I think it's going to be an even more uh, dominant problem in the future, and, you know, we need to take another program to talk about it, but there's Trump Tower downtown there. 
I didn't see any uh, crosses or, or even swastikas on it. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's sort of a you know, secular icon. This right. is worldliness, self-secularism writ large. Where does religion figure in this? Even if people mouth the latitudes of religious liberty and that, as they do after 9-11, I think a lot of it is less concern for religion than a term that I used in our meetings, Stockholm Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the role of religion. We're afraid of it. We're Don't want to know about it. Well, that leaves me with the question that, as a, as a Christian, as a Christian missionary-spirited person, which I am, that's why we're doing this radio program, you are as well, how do we do this? How do we make inroads into the religion-less cities? I mean, God faced the same thing in Jerusalem. Paul faced the same thing when he traveled around in Rome. How did they do it? Well, Paul had some troubles, remember, yes. uh, after trying to talk philosophy to the open-air debating place, he, he said later he determined uh, just no Christ and him crucified because he, he bombed out trying to philosophize his way yes, yes. into their inner circle. An example that came to my mind from the Bible is, of course, Lot. Yes, yes. He was the uh, ambitious nephew of Abram, and Lot chose to go down to the big city, the big smoke, yes. the big apple of his day, <laughs> the... the uh, Cities of the plain in general, and in particular, Sodom, but it was paired together with Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, uh, the Bible says he was a good man, but it says he was pained at what he saw. (laughs) And I must admit, as a Christian, it's easy to be pained by what you see in the city. But uh, yeah, the question that I know you're always asking me is, what do you do about it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's a tough one. Within the Adventist circles for years, there was discussion about when we should leave the cities, should we get out. I think probably it is a better environment to living in more rural areas where you can be more contemplative and, as it says, nearer God's heart in the garden. <laughs> but it may be that it's, it's either too late or impossible for many people to leave, but somehow they've got to be there but not be part of it and still cut through in their mind all of the the distractions and keep God in mind, and of course, the relationship of serving God and a religion, religious liberty, how it's practiced in that environment. Because I'm quite certain that, that modern life, the, uh, the steel and glass skyscrapers and that whole scenario will blank out religion generally. So religious liberty becomes an abstraction anyhow. Seems like we have both sides of a pendulum swing going here. If you go into the city, you don't have God. You have people looking for God. You go out into the country and you have people so filled with God that they're willing to not allow people to have their civic freedoms, not allow people to be who they are, not allow anyone else into the community. There's got to be a middle ground here someplace, Lincoln. That dynamic is true enough because you can describe history that way pretty easily. But I think that's religion in the coercive sense and the the human sense. True spirituality wouldn't play out that way. Mm -hmm. Yes, the city's like that. It's godless in the most practical sense. But religion that just wants to force itself through a pogrom on on either the city or a religious other or a genetic other is not true religion. Mm When I look at the life of Christ, I see a balance here. I see someone who loved lepers and loved uh, religious leaders, someone who communicated with both on an equal level, someone who had no problem at all moving from 
people group to people group. Why? What was the driving force? Why was he able to do that, Lincoln? And why should we be able to do that as well? The principle we know about Jesus is he went about doing good, and, and he was seeking the lost to the uttermost. In the city, I don't think people are doing that. And I was guilty of it the first moment I stepped off the bus. A man screamed in my face, yes. and, and uh, I was shocked, but I had no follow-up. I'm the stranger from out of town. I'm like the, the little Disney out-of-town mouse that's come to see Mickey. <laughs> that's not my environment. Mm. But I do believe it was a very telling moment. I don't know all the answer to this, but I believe, and the reason I'm discussing it today, I believe it's a very real part of the equation in the U.S. when we talk about religious liberty. And, and of course, we're heading into a presidential election. Much yes. talk of religion, yes. uh, an expectation that the U.S. will stay the course on religious liberty. But, but with such big urban centers, I think we've been neutralized in many ways. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your words of wisdom from your visit with the city. Thank you. My pleasure. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today.